Welcome to the NRL Supercoach All-Stars podcast. This is Barnsey. We're here for part four of the in-depth player profiles for the 2018 Supercoach season. Joined here once again by Billy. How are you doing tonight, Billy? I feel like a rock star, mate. Part four. It's like a Rocky franchise. Uh, we'll, we'll go a lot longer than Rocky. Don't worry about that. We'll have Creed 17 and everything will be going forever. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't published the first one yet, mate. <laughs> Ah, oh, it's there. It's there. So, um, very good observation there by Billy. Anyone who wants to um, download us, the first few episodes will be on iTunes in uh, the next couple of days, and then we'll be on there pretty regularly, weekly. But not too much time to chat tonight, so um, let's go into our teams, because we want to get through three tonight. We're going to hit up the Tigers, the Melbourne Storm, and the Manly Sea Eagles, and we'll kick it off with... Uh, Everyone's favourite cellar dweller for the last few years, the West Tigers. I'm actually not too excited for the Tigers in real life or in Supercoach this year. <laughs> I don't, I don't really like them for either too much. How are you feeling about the Tigers this year? Yeah, not too confident, mate. Especially with their draw, I'm just excited to see how a couple of players go, but might have to buff myths to get through that. Yeah, I mean it's it's. It's a real kick in the teeth, isn't it, for Tigers fans? Because you kind of, you know, not to talk myself up, but as a Roosters fan, we've had a pretty good few years. It's been a decent run. But, you know, if I was a Tigers fan, I'd be thinking, geez, it's pretty bad in real life. At least i got my super coach to look forward to. And then you get smashed yeah, with this no. terrible draw. It's like, I can't even do that well. <laughs> Mate, someone, someone sent me a screenshot of, of what their team would look like the other day if they didn't get rid of all their talent. And uh, it was cringeworthy, mate. You got Fafita to power. Brown, Teddy. <laughs> At what point do you stop? Oh yeah, I really like Cleary though, so um, that's a good little segue in. I think Cleary will actually be good for them. But uh, one of the things when we get into these few guys that we're going to talk about in the Tigers that I'm pretty wary of and a bit scared of going near any of them with is um, one of the Cleary's definitely got a task ahead of him and he's a good coach, so I think he might make some hard decisions during the year and even early on. And um, he's just brought in so much. There's just been so much changeover from players and ins and outs. So, I mean, their ins and outs are just crazy, the amount of players that have, have come in and out. So, between a new coach and, and all the players, there's been a fair bit happening. But I'll run through quickly the ins and outs, and then we'll start off with probably their lone gun in the, the Tigers outfit, really, on averages. <laughs> I'm already punching in these numbers. <laughs> yeah, I think we all know who we're talking about. The main, the main gains for them, Mahe Fanua came over from Hull FC after spending a couple of years over at the Super League. Peter Godinay was a bit of a reserve grader, but I kind of like him at Manly, actually, to be honest. He, he could add some good depth for him. Uh, Lola Hare came over mid-season. Benji Marshall, the prodigal son, returns at the very, very, very tail end of the career. Ben Matalino from the New Zealand Warriors. Chris McQueen from the Gold Coast Titans keeps getting these big paychecks for some reason. Milne from the St. George Illawarra Dragons, who isn't a bad pickup. Russell Packer from the Dragons as well. Josh Reynolds was a big uh, halves signing from the Canary Bankstown Bulldogs. Robbie Rochelle from the Melbourne Storm. And then all the rest weren't huge, although Alex Twell actually is quite a good um, young Parramatta boy, so he'll probably be a decent signing for them in the future. The losses very, very quickly. Matt Ballon gone. Joel Edwards was released. Jamal Idris retired. He didn't make much of a return at all, unfortunately. 
then the rest of them, I mean, Kyle Lovett played some games, but he wasn't fantastic. Mitchell Moses was probably the big one. He went mid-season. Other semi and far guy did that one pretty well. Uh, went over to the Sharks. And fastball three times. <laughs> but the big two I left for last. Um, Reynolds was a big one to come in, but um, a big one going back over that way to the Dogs was actually Aaron Woods, obviously. And uh, Tedesco going over the Roosters really hurt a lot of Tigers fans, I know. So there's a lot of guys going in and out that are, you know, definitely top 17 guys. So it's a bit all over the shop. I think everybody probably guessed the one guy that's a real gun there is going to be Nofaluma, who um, still was fantastic last year. I might let you kick off with Nofaluma, Billy. Why don't you talk to us about him? I thought you were going to say Milne then. <laughs> Mate, you can't jump the gun too early. Come on. I know for all those listeners out there, Milne's Billy's love child has been ever since there was a hint he might play first grade for the first time. Busted out a massive average in the um, centres for one game. But uh, we'll get to him a bit later. Let's just stick Four on the games. Four games. Let's just stick on the wing for now. Yeah, so Billy, I'll give you the stats on uh, No Faluma, and then you can tell me what you think of him. Last year, funnily enough, despite how badly the Tigers went, he actually had his best average um, for the last four years easily. So 2014, 47 points. 2015, 52 points a game. 2016, he had the 60 points per game and really came everyone's attention as one of those great gunnish wingers and then 2017 he had a 64 average um, obviously being a winger on 80 minutes so 64 points a game and just with those stats as well we'll hand over to you with them but keep in mind he did 64 points per game last year he also uh, was carrying a few injuries I reckon and that was pretty evident and he also starts off with a draw too though this year that is not very enviable. So the first month, he's got the Roosters, Storm, Broncos, Eels. And then the second month, he heads into the Storm again for that fifth game. So really a, a pretty rough first five weeks. But, you know, 64 average last year. I'm sure that you've thought about him, Billy. Yeah, there's a few things you could say about him. Um, well, everyone knows his tackle-busting tackle ability. And I think if you look at his stats last year, um, I think from memory it was a 57 average without a try yep. which is bloody high and, and I, I know you probably got the numbers in front of him but I think there was a game or two last year where he was scoring 90 or 100 without a try so he's without, without a doubt an absolute beast the only thing is that kind of pushed me away from him to start with is obviously, a, obviously the draw doesn't matter how good you are uh, that's still a, one hell of a draw to get through but people at home might sort of uh, um and are about this but you still got to take into his account his uh, stats without Teddy I think the year before, when I was looking at 2016, yep. I think he, his average was a lot higher when he actually scored a try. And I think 75% of his game of his games with a try all came with Teddy. And when he when Teddy wasn't playing, it really did have an impact on his try scoring ability. So I think you only need to, to weigh up you know, how much how much scoring potential do you think he's going to have, but also. Go back and have a look at his stats in 2016 when he didn't score a try as well. I think you'll find it was nowhere near 57. No, it wasn't. Yeah, so I think the the fact that last year was a very, very high base, even with, with Teddy sort of out, out of the team, uh, taking the fact that he draw this year, I, I'm just going to steer clear for it a little bit and wait for him to come down a little bit. There's no way in hell he's going to be averaging more than sort of 70, 75. Yeah, no, I agree a hundred percent. And he's not—he's not in my team at the moment, nor is he going to be. And just to open up those stats that you mentioned a little bit 
a lot of his a lot of his ability to get points last year and the, pretty much almost one of the sole reasons he got to a, a 64 average was really based on his really really strong base. His base stats were through the roof, like you mentioned, and he had games like I remember a game where he had like incredible stuff, like you know, no tries, no line breaks, and 90 points and stuff. Like it was there were some crazy games last year. Whereas I, I tend to agree with you. I don't think that he can. I don't know whether he can do that again. And he certainly didn't. He's even in 16. He had a good. Um, he had some good base stats. He's always been a pretty good base sort of guy. But um, maybe it's just uh, you know unachievable for him to do that again. But the big thing that you alluded to that I agree with, and now I had my, my little sheet here to talk about was, I think it's great if you can get guys that are um, got a really good base in your centre wing. Because obviously the floor is going to be pretty high, um, and that's really nice to have. Some guys out there might disagree with me. I know a lot of season coaches, or even some guys that have come pretty close to winning it, disagree with some of this. But um, I I don't like going for guys just because they're a, they're a great base stat guy to put in your centre wing. I want to have some try scoring upside, and if I have a guy that's really good base but not very much try scoring upside at all, I'll probably shy away for a better option. I mean that's probably why when I build my sides too. I like to throw a good solid second rower in my centre wing who's eligible, but if there were three second rowers that were eligible starting, I wouldn't get all three guys in my centre wing just purely because I'd rather have one or two strike weapons that can bust out some big scores and rotate out than three guys that can score 55 or 60 points really well consistently but not give me any big games. So I almost see no Faluma in some ways as like a really good forward that you can put in your centre wing. Yeah, he's got some good numbers there, doesn't he? He was offloading a lot last year as well. So, I mean, uh, one thing I'll, I'll put to you as well, Billy, 563000 I didn't mention before his price. So I'm sure you've got a lot of guys that are sort of less than that you're probably keener on as well. Yeah, exactly. I'm just going to have a quick look at his end of your numbers. Uh, I know, but uh, so his hit-ups didn't really get affected. But, yeah, offloads kind of... Dissipated a little bit towards the end, end of the year, going backwards. He had one effective, none, two, 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 none, two, one, none. But you go up to the top of the, as opposed to the start of the year, he's had six, then five, zero, two, four, one, three. So he's got, he's got some. It's like he's just um, you know, halved, halved his output sort of offload wise towards the end, end of the year. Still had, still, still was consistent with his hit ups and his sort of line breaks. But yeah, he's scoring. Scoring ability and um, those offloads sort of came down significantly. Yeah, and yeah, you know, I, I looking at the draw. There's probably, um, I think we both agree he's not a round one trade in, so we'll probably um, move on from there. I can't disagree with people going for him, but like we've both made the point, I think there's just better options for the money or for less money that you can probably get. But he does have some silver lining in that with that tough start to the season, I can see him getting pretty juicy. And the Tigers do play that round thirteen buy. And their first, realistically, the first six weeks is pretty tough. But um, they if do go... that him, though, you, you might want to have a, have a think about... Um, like, if you've got Milne and Nofo on the one side, uh, take, you might want to take into account that... So, what do you miss? F- miss 53 tackles out of 180, 180 attempts last year. <laughs> pretty ordinary, even, even by a wing of standards. That's, uh, yeah, his defence can be really bad, can't it? That's, um, that's definitely an issue for him. Yeah, I mean, in round nine, he plays the New Zealand Warriors, even though that's away. I've mentioned on prior podcasts that 
any any teams playing the Warriors, I want to have players from that team playing because I think the Warriors are going to be really bad this year. But um, maybe if he's a, he might be a round nine trade in at a juicy cost, you probably get him for at least a hundred grand less with that hard start, and then he's going to cover you around thirteen by as well as maybe give you some good points in round nine. So that's kind of where I've got him in pe- penciled in at the moment. Yeah, sounds like a good good plan, mate. Just All right, fucking comes back consistently. Yeah, for sure. All right, so let's move on. We spent a bit of time on him because he's probably the most relevant guy in that whole roster. Another fallen gun, I guess we can put him as, that is making his way into quite a few sides at the moment is Ben Matalino. So Matalino came over from the Warriors, and yeah, I've had a little bit of interest in him myself. Um, he was in my side initially. I actually had him in. I was waiting for Supercoach to get released to make a side, and in my little notebook side, I had him in and was really excited about him, but then I really kind of soured quite a bit when I started looking at the numbers and stuff, to be honest. Um, so mainly because his numbers kind of read like this. He he had this 2015 season that everyone remembers, and I was quite swayed by where he scored an average of 62 points a game. The season before that, he was a 54, and the two seasons since, in 2016 and 2017, he averaged exactly 52 on each of those seasons. His minutes went down a little bit, so he went from a peak minutes in 2015 of 58 minutes a game with uh, 52 in 2016 and 50 minutes exactly in 2017. But he just seems like he's going to be a one-point-per-game guy and probably be looking at 50 to 55 minutes in the rotation, which at 460 grand for me, just um, when I sort of looked at those numbers and sort of had a little think about the rotation, I just thought that's not really enough. And one of the things that made him great at the Warriors was this awesome offload that he kept pulling out which got some attack every now and then as well and that seemed to dry up a little bit as well so yeah I understand why guys are excited thinking about that 2015 season but 460k I can just see a heap of other guys that I'd just rather have that aren't going to give me potentially those low 50s but um, are you one of those guys Billy that have him in your side or are thinking about it? Nope Never. Uh, I'll be honest. I did have a look, but wasn't really too excited. And I think the thing that really turned me off was um, or two things. Number one, um, a fair chunk of people having him to start with, and B, the mention of his knees being pretty ordinary. So, and if you go back and look at his point per minute and his and his clutch attack stats, it's not really that exciting. He really would need to play the Aaron Woods sixty minute type role. So I'm not interested in fifty minutes. And I don't think his knees can take the sixty. So no, I'm just going to stay clear of him. Yeah, yep. I think that's pretty good advice. And, I mean, I think that the other thing, too, that probably um, a lot of Tigers fans lament is that they've got a lot of those um, middle-of-the-range sort of talented guys who can be in the, in someone's starting 17 sometimes, but they've just got too many of those guys, and they're all forwards. They've got all these um, back rowers and middle forward plotters like Tim Grant and stuff that are going to probably get minutes that probably don't deserve them, but... It's just a bit of a logjam for me. I mean, young, young Eisenhuth is actually one of my favourite young forwards, and um, he's going to demand minutes in the middle as well. So I don't, I don't see him being able to get that 60 minutes a game that you're talking about. And I agree, if he's not getting 60-plus, I just don't think you can look at him. And as a comparison to finish up on, um, I think James Graham is almost exactly the same price as him. And yeah. he's James Graham had more than one gun season. So, I mean, if you're looking at comparison options and you want someone with upside... There's a lot better guys at 460 grand you can get. Yeah, true, mate. I'm not really pretty, not very excited on him either. But yeah, there's definitely a better option if you if you want to take the risk with his injuries. 
So why don't we talk about your boy Milne then, because he's in both our sides, I'm pretty certain to say, and I think he's pretty highly owned as well. Why don't you tell us about your love affair with Milne? Why don't you open up about this great love story, Billy? <laughs> I think I've pro- posted the profile every- everywhere now. So, <laughs> so you've got it by memory. Probably. You know everything. Come on. Yeah, look, from memory, his um, stats were, what was it? I think it was 54 average per game, but one of, one of them was uh, off the bench. I think he, I think he ended up being about a, a base average of around sort of, uh, not sorry, not a base average. I think he ended up punching about a um, a 60 or a 68 average in the four games where the Dragons with one try assist. He was just an offloading tackle busting machine. He just seemed to absolutely be in everything. He was one player that I really wanted to get all over last year at the beginning of the season because he he was just going to be around that sort of 300, 350 um, um, price tag, which a lot of people, well, not everyone, but a lot, a lot of people would have laid off. Unfortunately, this year he's, he's absolute rock bottom dollar, so everyone's going to be uh, across him. But one thing I don't really understand is why everyone's got him on the NPRs. This guy, in my opinion, if, if you look at the stats, he's, he's not a cashy guy. He's not someone you want to put as NPR. To put him in your put him in your team and leave him there. If I had, if I had um uh, if I had to bet on on a on an underdog or a player being in the top five centre three quarters at the end of the year, I'll, 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 I'll chuck fifty bucks on it. On, on a bet with you right now, he will be in everyone's team and he will not leave. He will he will average over sixty for the year. That's a big call, Billy. I like it though. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I could I I do like it because, like you said, the numbers don't really lie for him. He um he had that he does you're right he did have a 54 average in 16 but if you take out those um that in, that affected game off the bench he um he goes up into the 60s and one of the things is with young guys like with a small sample size you kind of especially backs I think you can't um put too much stock into it sometimes because a lot of the time it's inflated by you know they had one game where they got a hat trick where their team beat up on another team by 50 points or something whereas it was totally opposite for Milton it was all it was all base, so you know that he's going to be a worker and he's just going to get the, the numbers anyway, even if his team isn't scoring and stuff, which is really appealing, actually. And well, obviously a small sample size, but it, uh, it's... Well, I um, mean, he still, he still had seven games in 2016, so yeah, it is a small sample size, but it's still a quarter of a season that he played. Yeah. And he played 11 games in 2017, obviously all limited minutes, 29 minutes a game and only 18 points. But that's why we got him so juicy at the moment. And he's he's kind of built like, um, it kind of reminds me a little bit of a fitter, younger Conrad Hurrell. You know, he's, he's about, I think, he's under six foot and he's about 100 kilos. So that's, um, it reminds me a little bit of him. And also with his game, he's got a lot of that tackle busting and stuff. So he's pretty exciting. I um I didn't expect to get him in second row forward centre wing dual positioning either, which makes him even yeah, more that, appealing. Yeah, that was a surprise. I didn't see that one coming at all, mate. It makes you wonder how they come up with these positions, but sometimes you get thrown a gimme, so take it with both hands. Yep, I think we both agree. You've you, it's close to a must-have. I think as what there is on there for round one, so definitely should be in there. But I think everyone's got him anyway, so. Wait, matter. Yeah. So, we'll uh, we'll move on to a um, a big balls pod. Who really, I probably should just have him as an error, not to get him, but you know, maybe maybe he will uh, come through with a new club. Josh Reynolds, who's uh, gone onto greener pastures for a much bigger, better contract for himself. Three hundred seventy-two thousand, so he's cheap. 
five eight. A lot of guys are around the traps that are maybe more novice super coaches are kind of asking him about him a little bit. My response always has been he's never really been that he's never really been that super coach relevant, particularly to take up a spot in your halves. His numbers read like a very uninspiring. Uh, yeah, he's just it doesn't look good. His numbers are like this, Billy. In twenty seventeen, he had forty two average. Year before fifty two. Year before forty four. Year before fifty six. He's really been a low forties to low fifties guy his whole career. And I think he's probably, for me, one of those guys whose impact is more on the field in real life than what it actually is for Supercoach. He is cheap at 372000 but I've said to everyone I wouldn't go near him. I think he's probably looking at a ceiling of maybe a 55 average if he has a really good season. I don't think he'll get to 60, so yeah, I, I think there's just a lot of better options, don't you? Zero interest at all. Do you see any way just playing devil's advocate no. and having a bit of a chat no. about guys that we... No, no, no. Do you think he's going to play better than last um, year? Yeah, probably. But he's in one of those positions that you just, you just don't want to waste waste your time, mate. It's, it's um, Look, the spine is that type of position in your team that you don't want to waste with guys you can just clog, clog, up, clog up a spot, especially with... Um, Limited trades this year, you need to get off to a flyer. And the only way to do that is to get key guys in high flux and volatile positions. So the last thing you want to do is, is fill a number six spot with a guy that might make you know, sort of fifty hundred grand if you're lucky. Who's playing for the Tigers? Just forget it and move on. Yep, uh, I agree hundred percent. I was going to try and play devil's advocate a little bit, but I'm not going to do it. I just can't. Josh Reynolds um, shouldn't be going there. Um, I waste our time talking about that bloke, but I'll just. Ten, give me 10 seconds because I just found the stats on this Milne bloke. Here you go. Yep. So 2016. So season average is 54. He had 106 tackles, which accounted for 28% of his score. 149 hit-ups in, in HHs and just, just normal hit-ups. So that's 40, 39% of his score. And offloads and ineffective offloads were 19% of his score. So basically one-fifth of this bloke's output was in offload, pretty much mostly effective. So... His entire average, eighty-seven percent, was so those yeah. So those stats stats account for eighty-seven percent of his total average in four games played. Scored ninety-seven, fifty-eight, fifty-nine, fifty-eight, fifty-three in games over sort of seventy-six minutes. So an average of uh, sixty-eight. Yeah, those are the numbers. Milne, put him in your team. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. And he is um, to your point as well. I'm Milne. He's my fourth centre wing at the moment. Um, I'm planning on playing him and. I might rotate him out in some of the harder games and just play like a hot rookie, but yeah, uh, I think that's great advice. Well, well you're, doing, you're doing better than me. He's my second. Ah, <laughs> uh, well. <laughs> there, there's only one way I could get all those guns in my team. That was sacrificed somewhere, so I think you know where I'm, suff- where I'm suffering now. Bit of a bare cupboard for the center wing for Billy's team, sounds like it. Yeah, um, great. All right, let's move on from the Tigers, because I think most of the fans already have. <laughs> we'll go to the Storm. A little bit more exciting. We'll go from the cellar to the penthouse here. So Melbourne Storm obviously have Cameron Smith there as their um, the guy that's probably going to be the most owned. But just quickly going through their ins and outs, they actually brought over Shandor Earl, which wasn't that publicised. Ryan Hoffman came over from the Warriors, so he's returning. Sam Cassiano was a reasonably big one, considering how well Bellamy does with them. Um, Discarded decent props and forwards from elsewhere. The other Kafuzi came over, Patrick Kafuzi from the North Queensland Cowboys. 
and the rest of the guys relatively unknowns. The losses, the big one was obviously Cooper Cronk going across to my Roosters. Thank you very much. And also Tohu Harris going over to the New Zealand Warriors. Most of the rest, uh, actually Jordan McLean was another big one as well. It was a big loss, but Cassiano will probably make up for that. And all the other guys were pretty much in and out of the team anyway. So yeah, not too many big changes aside from Cronk really that should upset the way the Storm plays. Why don't we start off with uh, the big gun of the team, Cam Smith. He sort of uh, does polarise a little bit in that um, you seem to either be a Cameron Smith owner that, that he's not going to waver or you're trying your best not to have him in your team. Which one of those guys are you, Billy? Well, for the last three years, I've, I've gone uh, value and had uh, no Smith in my team, but he's in one of those positions where if you get if you get a guy like you know um, if you get a guy like McKinnis or McCullough and they do well on this, and I think uh, Catfish said McCullough actually outscored Smith for the first sort of six or seven games for last year. So if you can do something like that, yeah, um, props to you. But a try pick the bloke, b be stupid enough like me and go too cheapies, then the difference between Bradley or Pritchard and Smith each week, even if it's only sort of you know, 30, 35 points, 35 times by a 12 is what? That's, that's the difference that you're behind behind the eight ball by the time you come to the first buyers. So he's that type of bloke where one mistake in choosing the right person for that position could mean the end of your season because you can't exactly upgrade um, before round 12 or round 13. And even if you could, do you really want to get a guy like that in before all the buyers? Yeah, it's just one of those, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. But for me this year, yeah, I'm going Cook, I'm going Solid Spine, I'm just going to, sorry, I'm going, um, um, what's his name, Cam? I'm going Smith, I'm just going to put him in. And even if he does lose lose coin, I'll still rather take a Solid for 60, 63 average or, or pretty much a guaranteed 60 score as opposed to trying to play lottery with someone um, a little bit cheaper. Well, this is going to be one of those great pods where we have someone that's a big gun that we really disagree on. That's great. So I don't have him, obviously. And I actually started off with the same hooker combo as you last year. And I, don't, I, I was not unhappy with doing that. I actually think that it really helped my season, um, the, the pritchard Braley combo. But I say that because I tended to play the right guy for the right games. And I feel like I made up for it with my other choices where I spent the money. But most importantly, I sold at each of their peaks really well to other guns. Now, the problem was the other guns I sold to were the wrong ones to choose, but that's a different story. I stuffed that up, but starting with them, I didn't mind too much. This year, though, it is a bit of a different landscape. I'll give you that. So, I mean, we've spoken about it. Everyone's talking about starting off well, being pretty important. So, if there was two dirt cheap hookers this year, I wouldn't be able to do it again, I don't think. I'd be too worried about my starting spot um, for those first few rounds. So, I guess that is a big the other big pro for starting with Smith. But I'll tell you why I don't have him. I um, for, He's 660000 for this year. And that's obviously very, very expensive. And one of the biggest things is I think that there's a couple of mid-rangers that are going to come through that could potentially play 80 minutes that are both going to make real good money and not be as as big a deficit as maybe other years. So I I really do like Cook. You mentioned him before. If Cook... Is getting if Cook manages to get eighty minutes, and it's a bit of a question mark at the moment. But if he did, I could see him doing really well. Like he, we were talking about him the last pod. He projects to have some really good scores. So I mean, could you understand going a Cook instead if he's getting eighty minutes and sort of being yeah, able to not fall behind? 
Yeah, hundred percent. But that's the risk that you got to take. The reason why I've leaned away from that, and in saying that, I've got I've, I've got Cook too at the moment. I'm going um, Cam and Cook okay. because I, I really rate I really rate Cook. The problem is, what happens if you know, like um, last week, Cyborg? You read an article from Cyborg saying, "Yeah, look, we wanted an eighty minute hooker, but all of a sudden, like, I just don't think he, he's." Oh, so I don't think it's what, that he wasn't capable of doing. I think the article was he was more concerned that he didn't have a. Uh, backup type or anyone that could actually cover it if he went down so he was going to chuck Barrett in the team so my concern is what happens if you do that and then three rounds in all of a sudden Robbie's, Robbie's on the bench and then you go from having an 80 minute cook to a 55, 60 minute cook what do you do then? That's that's why I've gone Smith through I just want that insurance policy Yeah, no, it's a really good point I mean there isn't there hasn't really been any um, any definites that you could rely on in the hooker spot for a number of years other than Cam Smith Probably the other thing I'll raise with him, though, I mean, he he scores and stats and stuff. There's not much point going through them. I think everybody knows that he's an absolute gun. But he, in the last four years, he has an average below 70. And that one year was 15, where he averaged 69. So, I mean, he's pretty much locked in for 70. There's two things that do stand out, which are in my mind. His start, his start I, I think. Yep. Yeah, I think I remember seeing his start being a bit slower once or twice. Yeah, he has had a couple of years here and there where he's he started a bit slower than others, and it has been a a bit of a more of a building season where he's hit his straps a couple of months in. So that is definitely one of the points. But along with his start, I kind of put these in the same boat. He's thirty four years old as well now, um, so he is a bit older. So I do wonder whether those slower starts whether that might happen again, and I do wonder whether Craig Bellamy is going to look at resting him a little bit because you know they do have a bit of a rotation policy they're looking at and that goes into the second point that I'm really umming and ahhing about and that is how they're actually going to rotate with whoever's on that bench utility role. I mean, there's there's been talk about Smith going into the halves and rotating Croft out, which you know I didn't really think would happen. Riley Jack's potentially coming into the side off the bench and doing that as well. It, it seems like there's a few little rotation things in there they could either move yeah, Smith out of out of the middle of the field, or also maybe even get him some rest. Yeah, look, even if he does get a rest, you really see him getting less than seventy minutes. He's the captain of the team, and with that type of draw, you surely he's going to be potting an extra couple over. So, look, even if he's playing seventy minutes, I can't see him being any 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 real worse than what he's averaged. That yeah, not, not significantly anyway. I guess I'm just looking at reasons to make myself feel better, Billy. But yeah, thanks for clearing that up. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to make you feel better. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I mean, I don't think you'll average a lot less. You're right. You know, 70 minutes. He's still going to. It doesn't matter what happens this year. He's still going to put up a good score, and I can't disagree with that. So you know, I think the yeah, best and and on, on the goal kicking thing too. I mean, hasn't more Masri. I mean, he probably still kick ninety percent even if he was seventy years old. So Cam's only thirty four, dude. He's still going to put him over. Oh, I got no doubt that he'll put the kicks over. That's certainly not something that I can try and hang my hat on as a bit of uh, regression. I mean, he did get injured a bit last year, a couple of times, and even the year before, I think. So that's probably the first time actually in the last five years. He's had a few consistent injuries and niggles pop up. So that might be something interesting to watch, actually, at his age. I wonder whether that's going to start to creep in. One can only hope, if they don't start with Cameron Smith, that maybe they do creep in. (laughs) He misses a couple games early. That would be gold. I'm going to give a couple of quick pros on why I'm not starting with him, even though it's probably a mistake. 
I'm not going to advise anyone to listen to me on this, but I'm pretty hell-bent on not starting with Cam Smith. 660. What was your ranking last year? Oh, <laughs> no, you're not going there, are you? <laughs> I'm just supporting the argument, buddy. <laughs> My ranking suffered significantly by not having Cameron Smith, I'll be completely honest, but it was because I didn't trade to him in like round eight when Pritchard and Braley were starting to get to the top. But No, what I was going to mention with Cam, though, is I... I'm hoping that he has more of a 65 average to start the year. If he has a bit of a slower start and he averages 65, which has happened before, around those mid-60s, for 667000 I could have spent that money somewhere else. So it's a pretty big financial turnaround. If I can get 65 or even you know low 60s out of Cook for you know his 370000 and have an extra 300000 to spend... That's that's really appealing, and I think that's a huge turnaround if for the first six weeks of the season you can hit a hooker who's going to put as much as Cameron Smith out there in points but cost you 300 grand plus less to start with. So that's kind of where I keep coming back to with the price. And also, like you said earlier with your centre wing, you're, you're very, very right. It's the old supercoach adage where you can't have everyone. And for round one, you know, if I were to put him in my side... He would be leaving out a gun forward, weakening my halves, which only have two stars in them at the moment, potentially not starting with a ponger at fullback, who I think is going to explode, or not starting with a teddy, or not starting with a rapana in the centre wing to strengthen there. So I'm going to lose big time if I leave him out. So that's kind of my uh, that's kind of my reasoning. It's probably not right. I'm, I'm not feeling good about not having him there, but I'm going to do it, and we'll see how we roll. Uh, we'll put it this way, it's not like he's a and he's going to score 160 and get an absolutely destroy around. If he goes well, he might score you know, 10, 15 above his average for a little bit. And if you go and cook, you're going to get more than what you pay for anyway. So just make sure you spend wisely elsewhere and cut, and cut the gap. Yeah, and look, I think that's probably the last point that we'll finish on that you, you kind of bring up there as far as the second hooker stuff, since you got Cook as the second hooker. I'm not a fan of um, spending on both hooker spots this year. I don't want to. I want to have a cheap hooker in there and and a gun hooker who I'm going to start. And I'm prepared to burn a couple of trades if I have to, because I sort of feel as well that there's going to be a few extra trades hanging around this year. So I'm just willing to do that. So I don't have that backup hooker either. I've I've sort of moved all that money out of the hooker spot as well. But yeah, there's a couple of different sort of scenarios where it could work to stack your hookers too. So Cam Smith, everyone, probably going to be the best player again this year and. Um, make me look like an idiot for not starting with him, but we can only hope that's not true. So let's move on. I'm going to talk about a uh, bit of a fallen gun now. And he's a guy that's started to... No one really spoke about him, and I thought he might have been a real smoky, but then um, all of a sudden, probably the last three or four weeks, there's been a bit of groundswell talking about Chambers. So Chambers is an interesting one. He um, His stats read like this. He um, had... A bit of an average season in 2017 at 55 points a game. And in 2016, it was largely injury-affected. He only played 14 games, so I kind of discount he's 47 there. 15, he had almost identical as 17, though. He um, threw out a 56 average. 2014 was his outstanding year where he um, threw out a 60 average in the center wing. Doesn't look that great. One of the things that Chambers has always had going for him, though, which a lot of people are considering for now, is um, he's got really good base for a center. His offloads are quite good and his um, 
just his work rate's pretty decent as well. So he does have that kind of solid floor that we've spoken about before. So he's a bit of an interesting one because the Storm do have a pretty reasonable draw. I mean, they play the Tigers twice in the first five weeks, which is crazy. Have you given much thought to Chambers at 491000 for your centre wing? No, not at all. I remember having a chat with Dean about him um, this time, sort of last year. He was priced at, uh, yeah, I was going to say from memory of 47, but I think he was mentioned 47. And so he had plenty of potential upside, but how much upside did he have? Yeah, he ended up going to 55. I think he had one game where he had a try and a try and assist or, or a couple of tries, and I thought, oh, crap, here we go. I've missed the boat. should have listened to Buddy Dino. But he, he sort of plateaued about. He just didn't seem to have that massive score in him so the fact that he's gone from a 47 to a 55 I can't I really don't want to invest in a guy going from a 55 to a 62 or 63 again when he's already left it from the previous season so he does have Croft inside him but who's pretty good but he had what's his name Croft inside him the year before and it didn't really do anything um, didn't really do anything SC wise with, with him there maybe maybe another ball just floating all the way out to Vinny on the wing if you're going to spend Money on on on, a, on it's going to spend coin on a player in the storm with their draw I, for that sort of price. I, I'd actually be inclined to go someone like Croft, but he's in that position that you don't want to waste coin. So mm. he's, he's not for me, mate. But he's definitely if if you wanted to go for a smoky with a draw like that, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't um I wouldn't be laughing at, laughing at anyone taking him. Put it that way. Yeah, look, I, I mean, if I was going to go for a smoky with that sort of draw, I'd probably more go to Hovunavalu, to be honest. I mean, his his base is pretty bad, but um, and he, Matt, no, that's a bit rough for him. He's a winger, so that's why. Yeah, Vooney's priced. Vooney's priced at 60 bucks, isn't he? Vooney is priced at, let's have a quick look. I think that he's just a shade under 60 because he had a really good year, and I kind of put Chambers and Vunavalu in, in the same boat. No, yeah, you're right. He was bang on 60. So he's priced at 531k. But, I mean, it is a bit more money, but Chambers is 491k. For 40k more, if you really want to take a punt, and you, my, my thoughts are this, if you think that the Storm are going to blow up in that first couple of months and really take advantage of games like the Tigers twice and stuff, then, it, you know, if Chambers is going to go well, by that theory, surely Vunavalu just fires as well. Because, I mean... He was one of those guys where when they did have the easier games, he was scoring hat-tricks and doubles and stuff, and he was doing it with ease as well. So, I mean, if you really think the Storm are going to start that well and you want a smoky in the centre wing, yeah. even though I'm not going to do it, I'd probably rather just gun for Vunavalu and hope that he hits two out of his first four weeks with hundreds and then just be laughing. Mate, if you look at guys priced exactly on a 47 average, I think they find that other bloke called Hayne. A lot of people are laughing and saying, oh, he's lazy, he's done nothing the last couple of years. But like I said in the first pod, at that sort of price, I'd be, get, be getting someone like him. There's a lot more potential upside than uh, Buddy Chambers. Yeah, um, I um, I put Chambers on there because he does have some pretty good base and some pretty good coaches are looking at him and he has been a sort of a semi-gun in the past. But yeah, I, I don't actually have any interest whatsoever in Chambers. I just I mentioned it a little bit before. I don't really like those guys who... Only give you um, a good a, a good floor that where you're going to sort of get that forty to fifty out of a centre wing without the scoring stats. That's only good if I know that I'm going to get some tries and stuff out of him um, reasonably often as well to go on top of that. And I just don't see that with Chambers. Oh, well. And to be honest, I think he's regressed since he came back from rugby union. Yeah, no, no interest. Stay away from him. 
let's move on to someone interesting, someone we either love or we love. So what should we do? Should we do J-Brom or Munster? Let's go for love first and then we can go down to hate. So we can start with <laughs> we can start with your man. So Billy's uh, Billy's uh Billy's mistress. If um if his lover is Milne, his mistress is Munster. That's probably the best way to put it. So I know Munster right. is in your team, Billy. Let's uh let's oh, let me tell let me tell you why. <laughs> all right, um, I'll hand over to no, you. Go it, for it. No, it, no, even after I rattle off all this stuff, everyone hey, will just go. Yes, yeah, so what? <laughs> it's Christie's average. Look, when you when I have a look at players who change position, particularly guys who go into from um, not so much as wing to fullback, but from another position to a half. Point in note, um, Milford when he first started, he, I think he scored a six in his first couple of games for the Broncos. When Munster first went to six last year, if you look at his first five games, had played one game at fullback because he was filling in and played four games at six. Had zero try assists, all right? Had two line break assists only and two line breaks. Three of those stats, two LBs minor line breaks assists and two of the try assists was when he was actually playing fullback. So he was pretty much finding his feet the first six rounds of last year. And then we also had a couple of injury games, so he was coming back from that as well. But if you go to round... You go to round nine, all right, versus St. George. Seems like that's when he just first started getting a taste for it and started finding his feet. So that's when he had his first try assisted in the sixth jersey. Then he had another one in the next game. Then nothing in the next game. Then he had another one, then nothing, then another one. Then he had two try assists, another one. So the try assists started coming consistently after that on an average of one per game. Had zero tries all year right up until the second last game of the season. So from round from round nine last year, which is only sort of after four games in the sixth jersey, he uh, averaged 70.8 from there with only one try all year. Take take what I, what I was originally banking on was the fact that if you take, um, what's his name, Kronk out, out of the equation, I kind of figured, look, he'd be getting a lot more ball um, and possibly lift that a lot more. But if you look at that first... Um, that first game, uh, trial game the other day, Cronk, uh, not Cronk, Croft really directed the team around the park. So I started second guessing myself a little bit here, thinking, okay, maybe I should listen to the other blokes and not go anywhere near him. But look, for a guy that's gonna uh, that's averaging 71 in that position from uh, no, after his first few games in the position where his lowest score was pretty much. Look, he's got a very high floor. He scored 31 and a 37 once. But after that, every score is pretty much over 50. He's had an 89, an 81, an 82, 114, a 69, 114. All those scores without tries. So, mate, I just think he's got a lot of potential upside. And if you take into account that draw where they're playing Tigers twice and I think Bulldogs was it. They like those opening five games. Yeah, they got Bulldogs um, first, then the then the Tigers, then the Cowboys, Sharks, then back to the Tigers. And if you go back and have a look, it is. I, I think I can't remember what it was, but I had a read article where they actually posted the stats from that that first trial game, where they said he was absolutely diabolical. He did pretty much nothing all game. He still scored forty four, forty five or for doing nothing. He, and he and he got ankle tap once and. Just miss just just miss regathering that uh, that ball for a try. The guy could have quite easily scored 70, 75, 85, doing absolutely nothing in that game. Where, where Croft just 
absolutely dominated. So I think he's got a lot of potential upside. And with that draw, he's just the type of pod that yeah, floats my boat, mate. Yeah, look, that's all fair enough. And you you have sold me on him a lot more. So I'll give you credit there. He's not in my side and he's not someone that I've considered at all. To be honest, I'd, I'd much rather consider him if he was playing fullback. If Slater's shoulder ended up being buggered in the next few weeks or something happened, then I'd yeah, probably yeah. have a look at him. But yeah, I mean, I, mean he, I think you alluded to it. His stats were a lot better at fullback, right? In your analysis and everything, fullback versus 5'8". I think we yeah, saw that from the year before. Well, I mean, he's like when he was playing fullback, his hit up, his hit ups were as you're insane. He just he grabbed the ball. It was like um, like RTS when he's on song, mate. He grabbed the ball and before he hits that line, it's just one, two, three, four. He even did it last week when he was doing nothing all game. I think towards the seventieth minute, I think he just grabbed the ball, one, two, three, four defenders, and it doesn't look exactly that pretty from a, a real footy point of view, but. When you, when you're an SD coach watching the game, all, all you see is look the guys on the you know, sort of ten points. And all of a sudden, it's 12, 14, 16, 18, uh, with an offload twenty six points. The, the guy just has that ability just to go large very 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 quickly. Yeah, and I mean that's a that's a good point as well. How quickly he can accumulate stats is definitely one of the things to like about him. I and mean, looking at his numbers just at an overall view, that was a really good deep dive on your numbers, Billy. That really opened my eyes a little bit on him, um, but. He's gone the last three seasons, 67 average, 69 average, 62 average. So he's been in the 60s for three years in a row now, and he's been in the mid to high 60s, you know, the last two years in a row. So he's certainly got it there, and he's certainly been performing at a level which says bye. I'll tell you why I'm not doing it, though, even though you've done a good job on selling him to me. I'm not doing it for looking at a pure other option reason. I see him as a good purchase if, if anyone wants to take a pun on Munster, he'll probably do well to start the year with those couple of Tigers games in there. I just think that there's other options that I prefer. And by other options I prefer, I alluded to that I've got basically two mid-range guys in my um, in my halves and, and two guns. The two guns are JT and Milford. And, you know, I would rather JT and Milford than try and play around and getting Munster in there somewhere in the halves. Fullback just becomes impossible because... I've got Teddy and I've got Ponga, and we've already spoken about our love for Ponga and how much potential he has. I just don't see any way that I cannot start Teddy, and I cannot start, or I cannot start Ponga to be able to fit him in there. So it's just a matter of being able to fit him in, which is a really good thing for Supercoach because um, you want to have that so you have a bit of variety in the teams and stuff. So I fully understand you going for him. With the other guys around, though, I can understand guys bypassing him just because. There's other guys that can give you those points, and especially um, his price tag turned me off a little bit. Even though he's worth it, you're getting what you pay for, for sure. 593000 he's priced at. So I guess with him, too, the only other thing that I'll mention, which you've probably thought about anyway, because you alluded to it with the halves, is I am, um, I'm not sure that he's quite comfortable in the halves yet. Um, I do think he was warming to it a little bit, but I think that he also hit a bit of a soft draw last year when he was hitting some of those assists and stuff you're talking about as well but the main thing is without Kronk there I think that they're going to go through some growing pains you know so yeah so I mean I think they're going to go through some growing pains because you know Croft looked fantastic but you know everyone does this A, a rookie comes onto the scene has a fantastic game or has a fantastic few games and everyone anoints him as being that's the guy that he is every game this guy's a gun he's awesome Croft who who cares about Cooper Kronk we got Croft 
it's it's not really like that, and especially when it's not a, a real serious game and stuff. Croft's going to take his lumps at the start of this season at times, and I'm sure that Munster's going to suffer a little bit because of that. If Cameron Smith does go into the halves as well, I don't see that being as yeah. a good thing for Munster either. So I just sort of think that it's there's probably a few little red flags, and none of those red flags for me are going to say, geez, Munster's going to average 50 points a game. He's still going to average 60 or something even if he has a bad start, you know. But it's just those other guys as well in there that you can get, I think, makes me steer clear. Speaking of uh, soft draws, I just had a light bulb go off in my head, which doesn't happen that often. <laughs> I just realised, mate, Storm players are always going to have a soft draw because they never have to play the Storm. <laughs> <laughs> what a light bulb moment, Billy. You just... I can't wait for the next one. <laughs> I'm only one more in deep, mate. Wait, wait till the whiskey starts. <laughs> well, you know, to be fair with the draw too, they don't actually play, um, they do play the Cowboys early in the round three, but they play them at home. And yeah, Munster scored 82 versus them last year, but... Oh, well, there you go. And they don't play the Roosters until round 16, but of course you're going to tell me about his 550-point game that he scored against us last season. But no, the Roosters are rubbish, it never bother <laughs> Yeah, so Actually, I mean, no, that he made me look it was 114. <laughs> well, they do also have the round 13 buy, so that's something else to consider a little bit. Not not that much really, but you know, if you've got someone that you're trying to choose between, and one of them's got the the round 13 buy and the other one doesn't, you really can't split them, and you think they're going to do the same thing. I'd always probably just choose the guy that's going to play round 13 for me to try and make things a bit easier. But yeah, uh, yeah I mean, I, I see all your points on him. I just I can't fit in with the other options and stuff, and he's not he's not heaps better than the other options to me to make me move my side around and sacrifice somewhere else. So hey, um, just off point for a second, do you see him yeah. play Origin this year? Or? Yeah, he'll play Origin this year for sure, unless unless he's bust up on the Kangaroo Tour was way understated and he's annoyed a few guys, and his attitude is maybe worse than what we think. I mean, that maybe comes out a little bit during the course of the start of the season. You know, I, I don't see any way he doesn't play Origin unless, like, he has a bit of a meltdown. Mate, I'll be straight on Twitter if he doesn't. What happened to your loyalty, Queensland? <laughs> and you're living up there at the moment. I would just keep quiet if I was you. Bunker down. <laughs> Can't um, beat him, join him, mate. All right, so let's quickly move on. So, Jesse Bromwich, we've gone, we've gone from love to hate here. I, um, I've never been a huge Bromwich fan, I'm going to be completely honest. And every time I've, there's been two seasons when I've owned Jesse Bromwich and both times he's absolutely burnt me so badly. Last season, I really did not want to start with him and a lot of guys were talking it up and obviously he broke his thumb to start the game for the first round and like that was just a killer for someone that you don't want to start with and that happens. You just really kick yourself for not going with your gut. And I just said to myself, you know, that's the second time I've traded him in where he's either gotten injured or just gone on a really poor run. I'm not going to do that to myself again. My gut says, uh, do not go anywhere near Bromwich. He, uh, his stats real quickly for you, Billy, and you can tell me whether you agree with me or not. He he averaged only 47 points in 2017. So obviously his price is going to be a plus at 413k. Before that, he did have a 65 average in 2016 and a 62, av- uh, 62 average in 2015, and a massive career-high 70 average in 2014. So he did have the runs going on the board the years prior to last. One of the things that I noticed when I owned him, though, and I think it was the 2015 season that I owned him actually the first time, 
because he busted out that 70 average a season before. When I got him in, he actually went on a really bad run where it was really disappointing to own him. Like, you know, you pay a lot of money for a guy like that and instead of giving you mid-60s, he's giving you low 50s. And it was just really frustrating to watch. And his minutes for threes in a row now have gone down. And that's, it's really hard to reverse a trend like that. 2015, he played 64 minutes a game which he still only did a 62 average for, which is really, really bad. 2016, he went to 59 minutes a game, so five minutes less. Then from 16 to 17, he went down to 50 minutes a game, which was nine minutes a game less than what he was playing. So that's that's a real worry for me. His, his minutes and the fact that he can, in 17 and 15 in particular, have a PPM below one, which for a prop is not very good. You know, those are really big warning signs for me. Yeah, I stayed away. I Actually, I lie. I did chuck him in my side because I was desperate and needed something. And, you know, that was saying God, the punishment. <laughs> Ended up going back there. I had, him, I had him last year and the year before. I had the cat to see on guard with Cinder's Moses round one. So I couldn't do it to myself again. But then with the, with the shortage of props up up front, I kind of, bit the bullet and thought, oh, bugger it. But then after watching that game last week where they had a um, a little bit of uh, depth on on the bench and it wasn't just all forwards and he played those big minutes, I kind of got a bit excited again. But then if you add up all the stats and watched his involvement and then took away his try and, and, line, and line break, kind of uh, wasn't that... Uh, <laughs> It's kind of underwhelming if you go back and look at it. And if you look at his stats, uh, minutes, I don't think he actually got massive minutes either. I think he was on the field for, what, 30, 35, and then then end up playing around 50 in total. Correct. I mean, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I just kind of went right off him again. Yeah, I'm not sure about his minutes in that game, actually. I just know that um, there was some, some guys on different sites doing some mock super coach scoring on, it, on that game. And somebody said he, he ended up being around about 65 points in Supercoach points. And um, when he had all those attacking stats in using, there. Um, yeah, they were all using um, an assumption of um, one point for a hit up as possible. So you've got to inflate your score. Like, give, give the guy props. He had a, a pretty decent score, uh, a Supercoach score based off his minutes that he was playing. But it was inflated by um, some attacking stats versus when he, an English side for one. And... Um, yeah, there is no and um, after that. I'm just looking at these minutes and not getting very excited. I think I might watch the next couple of trials and could be swayed further, but the way my team's lining up at the moment, I need someone rock-bottom rock dollar. I think I'll be uh, starting Lodge and forgetting about J-Bone altogether. Yeah, and I guess that's the other thing where where the Bromwich risk kind of comes into it as well. You know, Do you want to risk him giving you 50 points a game or even 55 points a game if you can get... Yeah, yeah that, that's, that's the thing. If you've got a guy like Lodge, who's a ball playing forward in a half decent team, I mean, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you just play him? It's, it's not like it's not like you're going to play Brom and Lodge. Or, or, there, 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 there is the option, but yeah, I'd rather go one half decent sort of gun forward as well as Lodge in the field of bench with someone like Kickow and hope the cross the ends up getting. Um, you know, six to eighty minutes on on the edge for a little while until CHN is ready. Then fill the other spot with. Uh, some other type of cashier that's sort of almost rock bottom, if not rock bottom. Yeah, well, that's that's exactly where I'm going with it. Um, that's what I'm getting at. Pretty much exactly what you said. Why why would you risk a J Brom at 413k to maybe give you 50 to 55 points if you can, you know, take a lodge at 50 points and maybe pair 
you know, a lodge in your starting eight jersey, along with say a Sergis as your your one gun guy that you're going to spend on in the in the props. I mean, my rotation is. We just found your Cam Smith money, buddy. <laughs> Mate, I've already done that. that. My team is already Sergis at prop as my star prop, lodge and Kikau, and my underpriced guy I got there at the moment, although now he's injured, is uh, Parsi from the Warriors at 300k if uh, if he does get that starting edge spot. So, I mean, that's the thing. I just think there's, there's too many cheaper guys and, and more value guys that can probably give you 50 to 55 points anyway, and you probably don't have to worry too much, and you can just upgrade those guys later. I mean, and that's the other thing with guys like Brom too. When you get a guy like him in, you feel you, you get really annoyed if you have to sit in there plodding away, waiting for him to make some cash so you can get rid of the bum. And, you know, I hate yeah. doing that. I hate having a guy where you spent just enough on him and he's been close, he's been a gun before, so you just feel that obligation just to hold on to him that little bit longer to see. Whereas with somebody like, you know, a Lodge or even a Parsi, if he gets that time in the Warriors, you know, you're going to make your cash 100% and you're going to do it reasonably quickly. And you're not going to feel bad about punting the guy either straight away because there's not really going to be any more upside to it. And it's just the way you go. And you're going to end up with a, you know, a, another star prop there that's going to be better than Bromwich pretty quickly. So, yeah, I, I'm, really not, I'm really not feeling Bromwich at all. And I do hope yeah. that a lot of people jump on him myself because I think that it's going to be a pretty regretful decision for a lot of coaches. Oh, it could still turn out. But um, I was trying to think about this the other day and... What I was trying to tell myself was, what do I actually want out of a player? And then I started breaking it down into, not so much into positions, but just into like a 17. Think of it this way. I mean, do you, would, you be, would you be happy with a 50 from forward or a 50 from back? I think what you just need to do is break it down into 17 positions and go, all right, so what kind of high base can I get out of any, any player in any position and be happy with? And at the end of that conversation with myself, I came down to, to one thing I want to avoid. I would much rather avoid a score of 10 as opposed to um, getting a score of 60. If I can just get a forward or a centre three quarter or a half, he's going to guarantee me to the minimum sort of 45 times or 50 doing absolutely nothing and just have gravy or gravy to the upside, then that's the type of team I want. So if you think you can get a guy like Brom to give you a guaranteed sort of 50-plus points, then it's not exactly a bad bet, but... You could probably do the same thing with a guy much cheaper like Lodge and you sort of kick out. So there's really no point in getting him and you can use that extra coin to focus on getting that same thing out of the centre three quarter, like making sure that you get a guy who can give you 45, 50 with a lot of upside. Oh, for sure. And look, you'll get, you'll get, you'll probably get 50 points out of him. That's, that's still three points better than 2017, but you probably will. But like you said, you don't need to spend that much money to get that 50 points. So yeah, he's, yep. He's gone, and probably the. I will mention one last thing as well, and this is really, this is really turned into a hating Jesse Bromwich podcast, but that's all right. He, a lot of people are jumping on him too because um, McLean has gone up to the Cowboys, thinking that that's gonna that's gonna change everything. Melbourne still have a heap of middle forwards to play. They've still got quite a few decent middle forwards there. You know, Nas is, yeah, and they never played big minutes anyway. No, that's right. And I mean, I mean, I guess we were talking about the utility a bit earlier. If they do have a utility on the bench, yeah, I guess there could be some extra upside there by doing that, maybe. But, I mean, Cassiano's just come in, and he's, he's not a big-minute player, but obviously he's trimmed down a fair bit. So, 
you know, it's pretty safe to say he's going to get more than the, say, 27 minutes a game, which was a low for a couple of years that he got in 2017. He's probably going to be getting 35 to 40. So, I mean... Well, that, was the, that, that was the plan, but do you really think you're going to get the same output out, out of big cast with, you know, being 15, 20 kilos lighter? I mean, the whole, the whole reason he had that massive PPM is because he would, he would hit the line, you know, bump three blokes off and then chuck that little offload away for... 20-25 minute cameos oh yeah look yeah, I, I, I agree I'm not going near Cassiano um, I'm just bringing him up because a lot of people forget that whilst McLean went out um, Cassiano actually came in and swapped over with him so yeah I, I'm looking at Cassiano as more he's going to be playing some middle minutes and he's probably going to be playing more than what he was at the Bulldogs as well I mean the way it's the way it's structured um, you know, Tim Glasby played Origin last year and um, earned some more minutes as well. So, I mean, they got Glasby and Bromwich basically probably starting at the prop spots. And then, you know, on the bench, you've probably got two pretty big middle forwards in Asafa Solomona and Sam Cassiano to come on the field and take minutes from those guys as well. And it's not like Dale Finucane needs much of a rest playing the middle with a 13 jumper on either. So, yeah, it's just they're still, even with McLean gone, they've still got enough middle forward minutes there to, to say that Bromwich isn't going to get 60 minutes a game or something. How big is that Solomona bloke? Uh, it's probably you and me standing on each other's shoulders plus another two metres. Man, I, I, watched, I watched that um, that game, the Storm versus the, the Poms the other day, and Dead Set, when he came off the bench, I could almost see that defender looking at Solomona coming at him when he went over to that try. Are you kidding me? You're bench full? <laughs> Jesus Christ. He is huge. I mean, he, he's one that would be interesting if, if he could play the bigger minutes and get the bigger minutes um, but he's not going to do that in that pack at the moment, I don't think either. But yeah, he's huge and he's got some good potential as well. I think that's probably why they let, one of the reasons why they had to let McLean go because they got some of those guys as well. So let's let's move on to the last guy that we're going to talk about for the Storm. And that is a bit of a big balls pod, although he's become less of one lately. Uh, the guy that we're talking about a bit earlier that's taken over from Cooper Cronk, Mr. Brody Croft. So... If you guys uh, quite liked his game with the World Club Challenge. Yeah, pretty good, wasn't he? He was really good, actually. He did look very poised and um, was well in control. Now, the thing is, the reason why he's a big balls pod, in other years he would have just been you know, a reasonably cheap guy or maybe even a mid-range guy that you just start with for sure, like a Connor Watson or something and not be too worried about it. But um, he's at $476,800 which is a lot of coin to play for a guy that hasn't had a full season in first grade playing in the halves, trying to steer a team around as well. That's a lot of cash. And if he were to play like he did in that in that game the other day, I mean, he'd probably be worth it. He'd, he'd do pretty well for that cash. But I don't see that happening. I think he's... I'm actually quite surprised that so many people are getting as carried away as what they are. It's very rare that rookie halves... At his age, in particular, he's only 20 years old, can come in at the NRL level and take over a team and perform week in, week out for day one and not get knocked around a little bit or not take some tough games along the way and, and things like that. Look, even with Cameron Smith there, you know, Munster isn't... Munster's a great player like we spoke about, but he's not the, the best guy to sort of take the heat off for Brady Croft. I mean, if it was someone like, uh, I don't know, an experienced guy like Maloney that can be a genuine halfback as well or something on the other side, he could probably take the heat off a bit better. But yeah, I, I really think people are getting a bit carried away with him. Can you see any way that he might actually come off and be an excellent excellent purchase to start the season? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think he actually um, hits that line pretty hard. Like it, it, it takes it takes the ball on. He has a run. Maybe maybe it's the small number of games him trying to impress that's doing that as well. Yes. But then the other thing you need to tell yourself is uh, doesn't doesn't kick goals, does he? No, he's not going to be kicking goals. So what's the what's the highest scoring or the highest averaging half halves of all time? You look at guys like. Um, JT, SJ, Cleary, all those sorts of guys. You look at all the averages over the last sort of five or six years, put all those together, I really don't think you're going to see a guy averaging too much over sort of 75 maybe, maybe maybe 80 if they hit their straps. But those will all be halves that are actually, that are actually kicking goals. So he doesn't. So he's really fighting against the odds to get an average above sort of... 68, 67, 68 without kicking. Even then, though, like, I mean, to give you an idea on those numbers, Billy, those three guys that you mentioned, they're looking from anywhere from 12 points a game to 16 points a game around about of their total points being from goal kicking. And, I mean, JT averaged 76 last year. You know, take the goal kicking out and he's only averaging 60. You know, I I wouldn't even think that he's getting to the late 60s. I think that he's, you know, early to mid-60s. And he's too... And his two 100 plus games came against. Uh, I know it was a pretty ordinary thing. Was it Knights last year? But he had three tries, whatever it was, for that 160 or whatever it was. Yeah, I, th- I think it might have been. Um, I think it might have been the Knights, but he definitely carved up in two of them, which really, which really blew things out and really hurt yeah, the fact had, that his price really that, high now. He, I, th- I think from memory, he played four game, four games. One of them was a treble. He scored a try, and another one. And the other was like a forty-three and a sixty-type score. So those types of scores without without kicking goals, and he scored. He set up a try for Brom and scored one himself first at the Poms. They got no disrespect to the Poms, but um, they did put a big score on him. I think he will go really well this year. I think he'll average more than what you're actually paying for him. But um, not kicking goals. I'd much rather sort of pay. I'd much rather pay for you know a JT or even just go that extra extra coin for a pod and, and pick up pick up someone else like a I don't know a Cleary or a Milford or something like that. Yeah, or well, at halfback, there's also Mitchell Pierce sniffing around for about forty k more as well, fifty k more. So there's a few there's yeah. a few other halfbacks there that I'd definitely be picking instead of him. But I mean, look, it it does happen. I'm playing the law of averages of saying that he's going to struggle during games during the start of the year at times, but. It does happen where you have these talents that come through who are just superstars right from the outset, whether it's Brodie Croft or not. I mean, look, if you if you want to bank on it being him, you can probably save like 100k off a premium half and start with him. And he could carve up against those two Tigers games, that's for sure. So, I mean... Look, oh, yeah. Look, Croft won't go bad. Like, he, he might do two massive scores the rest of the Tigers and then you, you hit the eject button around six and happy days. But, yeah, he might not also. And then what do you do? I don't, I don't think you'll go badly. Like worst case scenario, I think you'll get what you pay for with him. Then you say you could possibly spend that, that spend the four hundred seventy six k, whatever it is, and sort of spend your money elsewhere. But yeah, I, I just wouldn't be going him this early. But definitely a pot if you didn't want to spend six hundred k on a, on a premium half. Yeah, he is, and I, I think that. You know, I've been a bit down on him and stuff, but that's only because everyone else, well, not everyone else, but a lot of people out there have been way too high on him probably and I think it's probably unfair pressure. Um, I do like him and do think he'll be good and one of the things too is that if he wasn't, like you said, playing in the halves like if he was a centre wing for whatever reason, uh, I'd be looking at him because 
it's a position where you really don't have much certainty and there isn't a lot of guys that are going to make you not pick him. Whereas in the halves, like you said, I mean, all the good halves that you could pick, it's a bit hard to leave them out to go a Brady Croft. But you know. I, think, I think he just needs to sit back, let Monster take the reins, show how it's done, <laughs> take it as you Hopefully they kill each other for Supercoach. That would be that would be ideal. But uh, I think I I would probably peg him if I was going to guess now. I would probably peg him as around a sixty to sixty three average, which is going to be is going to be decent actually. And it's going to be quite good. But I'll say sixty four. You'll say sixty. All right. So you've got all right. So we got the over under on sixty three, and you're going over. I like that one. We'll talk about that one at the end of the year. All right. Well, oh, pineapple on it. Oh, you're talking my language now. We're going to keep this a child-friendly podcast and not gamble on it. So I'm going to say no for now. But I think that's that's all of the uh, Storm guys that we can go through, um, and that'll do us for this yep. episode. We were going to try and get to the Seagulls, but there was just too much juice in that Storm conversation, so we'll have to put that over to the next one. So thanks a lot, Billy. Hopefully you have a good night and you rest up for the next one. At least we're halfway, mate. <laughs> all right. Cheers, Billy. All right. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. You can download us on iTunes and everything else. And we're going to exit like we have been lately on some Pearl Gym. Thanks very much, guys. Yeah.